It's the bottom line. On News Radio 610, KONA. From the Tri Cities to Olympia to DC, we break down. The stories of the day and the people making the news. And that's the bottom line. Time to get the bottom line. Presented by McCary Meats in Basin City with your hosts, Rob Francis and Ed Dawson. Bob Ferguson loses his first suit against the Trump administration, and it's a big one. And is human nature better than we think? But first... Give us your bottom line. It's your voice, your show. Call the LegendsCasino.com hotline, 509-547-1610. Back at the bottom line, he's Radio 610-K1A, hour number 2, 547-1610 if you'd like to get involved. Also via email, 610-K1A.com, and on Twitter at bottom line 610. We'll dive into our poll question in just a second. But David uh, joined us via email and said, Alexander Hamilton commented in the Federalist 70, in any republic, Every magistrate ought to be personally responsible for his behavior in office. Especially in a case like this, I couldn't agree with you more, David. You're up on the bottom line, News Radio 610K. What's your name? Where are you calling from? What's going on, fellas? It's Mike. What's going on, Mike? Hey, uh, this is going to sound bad, and I'll apologize for it. I had. What would be poetic justice is when these people turn these monsters loose, that. The people that they end up hurting are their family members so that they would get an idea. This is uh, crazy. Who let this person out? You did. Uh, how did they? You. They found your kids. They found your house. It would quit. You know, Mike, it, it, it's, it's an interesting thought. And, you know... Uh, it's one of the arguments that we've that we've heard, and, and I know this may sound like it's going down a different road, but but I I promise I'll bring it back. We've heard, you know, in the discussion about building the wall, okay, down at the border. There are people that have very have come out vociferously against building the wall. Some people that are very. Uh, very well off, the Mark Zuckerbergs of the world, and so on and so forth. And when they've come out against the wall, people have taken pictures of their homes and shown, hey, wait a second, you've got a wall surrounding your house, but you're against walls. There is an element in our population that is detached from what happens to regular everyday people. They're detached from it because... They have, through whether it's their influence, through their uh, through their wealth, through whatever they have garnered in life, they have done everything they can to protect themselves and put themselves in as safe an environment as they possibly can, which detaches them from what happens to people that don't have those resources. Now... I think everyone would agree if they had the opportunity to insulate themselves as much as they could from harm, they would do it because nobody wants to live under a threat of violence, attack uh, of, of them or their family being harmed. No one wants to do that. Most people don't have that option because most people live in a regular community. Some communities are a little bit safer than others. Um, some communities have an element of risk living in them. And those people that live in those communities 
usually can't um, afford to live somewhere else or they've lived there for a long time and their community has changed over time. And there's there are elements that have come into the community beyond their control due to the way time has moved on, the community has changed, so on and so forth. When we find sentences like this and we hear things like this, the first thing that leads me to, to that enters my mind is this is an individual that is completely detached, that they don't understand the level of what has been done and what has been committed, and they don't take into consideration the effect on the victim. And to agree to allow a plea deal for third degree after this type of crime was committed, one tells me the prosecutor's out of touch, tells me the prosecutor's office is out of touch, and tells me that the judge is out of touch. I think this is yet another example, and we talk about it frequently on this show, of the difference in thinking in this country. There tends to be two ways of looking at things, idealistically and more concretely, more, I guess you want to call it real world. Idealistically, when you bring up the wall, you bring about, you know, sanctuary cities, that argument, it's a very idealistic viewpoint. You know, how can we keep people out of this country or penalize people simply because they want a better life? Yeah, there's quite a few people that are currently detained at the border who probably do want a better life. I don't know. But there's also, most likely, a lot of people who would like to do harm in some way, shape, or form to this country, individually and to this country as a whole. But again, some people look at things idealistically, and others look at it in a more real-world sense. Now, you look at things in a more real-world sense, and, and, that's, and that's good. A lot of our listeners listen, you know, think that way too. I tend to do that quite a bit. I ha- I I think that there's an idealistic viewpoint that I think we would be worse off if we lost, if that makes sense. I don't think that having an idealistic viewpoint is a bad thing unless it goes too far. In this case, it goes too far. And by that I mean in this particular case, Maybe it was this guy's first offense. I'm not trying to minimize the 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 facts of the case. Okay, I look. I, I get it. I get it. This guy should have. I, this guy should have been punished a lot more than a year. No question about it. And I'm not going to defend the prosecutor's office and the judge for taking this plea deal. But this is what happens a lot. You know, it doesn't always make headlines where a crime is committed and to make sure that the prosecutor's office gets their conviction, because that's what they're all about, the defense wants to minimize the impact to their client and the judge wants to quickly get rid of this case because he or she's got about 100 more before lunchtime. So let's take care of this quickly 
plea deals are a good way to do this. Is that is that a right or wrong thing? I guess it depends. This is a case that is not isolated. We've heard of several cases like this. So I'm not dismissing that. It is not the norm, but we it's it's more than just once or twice that this is happening. So there's a problem. So how do we fix it? How do we fix it? Do we give judges or we give prosecutors or do we tweak the sentencing guidelines? Do we do we extend the ranges out? Do we eliminate the ranges altogether and we want to legislate punishment instead of putting it in the hands of judges? Then they are just robotic and just going through the motions. Or do we give them an opportunity to to fluctuate their penalties? Well, I think many people would say in after this case, yeah, let's give them more, you know, give judges more, ch- you know, because throw the book at them and all that stuff. Okay, so somebody that's conservative leaning all of a sudden does something wrong and that same judge or a different judge throws the book at them and then there's a uproar because, well, they were being punished, you know, for their religious viewpoint or whatever it is. What? So there's the, 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 you you can't get equity in this. You just can't. When the, with some crimes, I think you can come closer than others. I mean, and one of the things the prosecutor's office, in an interesting statement, said they noted his criminal history didn't specifically indicate that he was in the U.S. illegally. Does that infer that he has committed crimes previously and that the the rape was an escalation of what he had done previously, or is it? saying, well, the only crime he's committed is, is are these two rapes against the same woman. And, it, you know, maybe the first I, time right, he'd been, but, but, had a know, run in with police. Right. When you're talking first time offense, the rape is not one of those things that you look at and go, oh, gosh, well, it's the first time you raped her twice. So uh, we're going to go easy well, on you. And I'd gonna, like to I'd like to hope that's not there. written in law well, like well, that. that that's what I'm hope. hoping as well. And then you're hoping that's not going to the judge's head. But here's the other part with the sanctuary city issue. OK. They would, the proponents of sanctuary cities would like you to believe that it's protecting the individual who is here trying to contribute to America and make a good life and make their way here and could be stopped by a police officer at a traffic stop and get deported for a speeding ticket. That's what they would like you to believe. But what do we see over and over again that sanctuary cities actually protect? Violent criminals. Yeah. We see over and over again that sanctuary cities protect violent criminals. And our governor had no problem recently signing off on a sanctuary state law that was basically just an extension of what his executive order was. But the governor lives on Bainbridge Island. The governor doesn't live in Yakima. The governor doesn't live in Tacoma. The governor doesn't live in King County. The governor doesn't live in an area that could be significantly impacted by a violent criminal not being placed in the custody of ICE and deported. The governor lives on Bainbridge Island. So you want to talk about detached? There's another example. You're up on the bottom line. News Radio 610-KONA. Who's this? Where are you calling from? This is Max calling from Kennewick. What's going on, Max? You're talking about a topic that makes my blood boil because... 30 years ago, I moved back to Yakima, thinking it was the paradise on earth, practically. The Palm Springs of Washington. And and it almost was, by my measure. And because a lot of people were willing to hire illegals, 
especially large corporations. Now we have one of the poorest towns in the state, one of the most illiterate, one of the most crime-ridden. And it's all because of illegal immigration. And it just, the one thing I expect our government to do is to protect us from foreign invasion, foreign incursions, these kinds of things. You know, it might be idealistic to say America could take all the poor people in the world, et cetera, et cetera. We're not in that position now. Half of our citizens don't pay taxes because they're too poor. We have health care and educational costs that are out of control, in part because of illegals. Uh, my uncle used to say, poor men have poor ways. Basically, what we've done is import the poor third world problems of Latin America into America. And we can't handle it, and we shouldn't handle it. Thanks for the call, Max. We appreciate it. We're going to take a quick time out, 547-1610. Bottom line, News Radio 610-KONA. If you want to get involved, at 610-KONA.com. You can shoot us an email. We come back. We'll give you the results of yesterday's poll question. Touch on today's poll question. And do we have a conflict on the horizon? Now back to the bottom line, presented by McCary Meets in Basin City. It's your voice, your show. Call the LegendsCasino.com hotline, 509-547-1610. This hour brought to you in part by Perfection Tire. Four Tri-Cities locations to serve you. This is the bottom line, News Radio 610 KONA. Ed Dawson, Rob Francis, and you. 547-1610-509-547-1610 if you'd like to join the conversation. Let's go right to the phones. You're up on the program. What's your name? Where are you calling from? It's Joe. I'm in Pasco. What's going on, Joe? You know, this problem we have with immigration is actually a curse that was placed on us over well over 100 years ago. And I refer to a statement, to a plaque that says, Give us your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free. And who do we get? We get the tired, the poor, the huddled masses yearning to breathe free. We don't get doctors, lawyers, great scientists, or anything like that. These people, they know what that black says, and they know that America must want us there. If we can't make it anywhere else, we can truly go there and get welfare. Thanks for the call, Joe. Mm, You know, at one point in time, we did get them. Yeah, and you know what? We probably still do. To some degree, yeah. but uh, but nowhere near uh, the poor huddled masses. In fact, there was a point in time in the 40s and 50s, the federal government, and even in the 30s, the federal government actively recruited scientists and doctors to relocate to America from Europe and other countries, predominantly Europe, but they yeah. they, they recruited well, them to come to the United States. Post-World War II, there was mm-hmm. a lot of that going yes. on, Operation Paperclip, to bring some of those Nazi scientists that eventually helped us get to the moon well uh, that but also to help build nuclear bomb yeah so yeah, we had a absolutely. lot that came over that, that helped guide the uh, the nuclear program yep five four seven one six ten if you want to get involved um our poll question from yesterday dealt a little bit with what we were talking about the state sentencing guideline commission has come back with suggestions to change the way prison terms are imposed in washington state which of these options do you agree with when it comes to sentencing five percent said judges get more say 11% didn't like any of the options. 26% said judges get more options. 
and 58% said the terms should fit the crime. So thanks to everyone who responded to our Twitter poll yesterday. Today's poll question, based on the recent events involving Iran, are we getting closer to a conflict? Yes or no? Now, we know there have been some incidents over the course of the last week or so that have escalated the tensions between the two countries. There was a attack on a tanker, pair of oil tankers in the Gulf of Oman, which we believe Iran had something to do with. Um, they've disputed that. But earlier, a drone was shot down in international airspace, a U.S. surveillance drone, that the U.S. government is describing as an unprovoked attack. Now, it was a U.S. Navy RQ-4A Global Hawk, an unmanned aircraft, was brought down by an Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps service-to-air missile filed, fired from Iran last night. Uh, the U.S. maintains there was no violation of Iranian airspace, that it was an attempt to disrupt our ability to monitor the area following the attack on the tankers and Iran's attempt to disrupt the free flow of commerce. The drone was flying at apparently a high altitude, about 34 kilometers from the nearest point of land on the Iranian coast. It landed in international waters. Now, the president has said, we will not stand for Iran shooting down a drone, hoping that it was a mistake. Quoting the president, he said, I find it hard to believe it was intentional, and it could have been someone who was loose and stupid. Nothing from the government as far as what a potential response may or may not be. Now, we know that tensions in Iran have have escalated since President Trump came into office. He is not a fan of the country. One of the first things he did was rip up the nuclear deal, um, which never passed Congress, by the way, so it wasn't actually an official deal. But he has done everything in his power to try and roll back the gains the Obama administration gave Iran. Iran is flexing their muscles. Two incidences in the last week. Are they trying to force an issue? Are we looking at the possibility of some type of conflict with the largest state sponsor of terrorism in the world? Or is this something that we're simply going to call, it's a drone, it's $180 million, the two attacks have not cost any lives, we're going to wait and see if Iran is dumb enough to really try and flex their muscles. It's our poll question today at Bottom Line 610. We're back to discuss. Hook up. 
with the bottom line on Twitter at bottom line 610. Now back to the show presented by McCary meets in Basin City. This hour brought to you in part by Ben Franklin Transit going new places. Visit them at bft.org. You know what? Right now, it is it is tough. If you're looking in the housing market, it is tough to find a place to buy. Uh, you know, houses are still going up, but there's not a lot. There's not a ton that's out there on the market. If you're thinking about buying or you're looking to sell and you want to find that right home, contact Jennifer Mons with Windermere Real Estate. Visit her website, jennifermonsmonds.com. She will guide you through that process, help you find that home that you're looking for. Uh, wherever in the Tri-Cities and the surrounding area it may be, Jennifer will do the heavy lifting. She'll do the hard work for you. Let her know what your specifications are, what you want to find, and she will make it work for you. Not to mention, she'll make the selling process as easy as possible as well. She's experienced in the real estate business, comes from a family of realtors, and she's moved a lot. So she knows the hassles that come with that as well. So she'll take the stress off of the home buying and selling process. You focus on the packing. Jennifer Mons, Windermere Real Estate JenniferMonds.com. So, you know, the interesting thing about our relationship with Iran is is we used to actually have a really good relationship with the country for the majority of, I mean, through the 70s. Um, and then the Ayatollah Khomeini led the Mali revolt, uh, revolt and um, they, what we have in place now in Iran took over in the late 1970s. Um Ever since then, it's been a contentious and tense relationship. But we have never had a conflict with Iran. We have not had a troops on the ground in Iran. We have not had anything to where we have... It's been a one-to-one battle. There's, all, there's been those, those moments of tension, but... The closest we got was a failed attempt by Jimmy Carter to assassinate the Ayatollah during the uh, hostage crisis. Yeah, that was that was pretty big deal. That was a pretty big deal. It's the closest we probably got to any type of a um, potential conflict, war a- escalation with Iran. With Iran, where do you see this? I, you know, I'm not too worried just yet. Um, because right now, despite what you hear in the media, countries don't want to go to war. They really don't, including the United States. Oh, no, that I believe. Iran, I'm not entirely sure. Well, Iran has said since the, um, the ship was attacked that they do not want this to escalate into war. They've said that. And whether or not you believe them, that's another story. But right now, I'm, I'm taking everybody at face value uh, that neither side want, wants to or is looking for war. Um, I, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to say. It, we, it, it's been a while uh, since... A country has been aggressive towards us. Now you can you can you can bring up nine eleven. That was a terrorist organization that had roots in a few different places. Yeah, it multiple wasn't countries. You know, 
I know that the retaliation was to attack Iraq, uh, but Iraq, you know, didn't sanction, we don't think. Well, there's some conflict, I guess, over that. But right. we have not had a country specifically act aggressively like Iran is doing right now. So I, th- I, th- I really think that everybody just needs to take a breath. Um, you know, this is where Mike Pompeo needs to be doing his job. Uh, the president needs to be doing his job. He, he's, you know, everybody says he's this great negotiator. Let's see what happens. Um, I can tell you this, though, as as much as I'm downplaying it on that end, if something did erupt, it would be bad because think about all of the think about the countries in that region and how they would take sides. You know, we know who our allies are in that region. We also know who the allies of Iran are in that region. It would get nasty. Would it be World War III? Don't know. But it would get nasty. 547-1610, if you'd like to join the conversation, 509-547-1610. You know, I think the most difficult thing in trying to um, assess what the potential of anything with Iran is, is the fact that we don't have a lot of information regarding what they actually have and what they don't have. We don't have a working relationship. I mean, we we have a working relationship with Russia and China. We may not agree on things, but we have a relationship. Thanks to President Trump, and I'll give him credit in this area, we now have a relationship with North Korea where we didn't have it before. Again, right. is it a good relationship? Nah, I don't know. We're talking. But we don't have anything really with Iran and haven't for, I don't know, maybe ever. It's been a long time. But we don't know. I mean, we we believe strongly that they already have, not only do they have nuclear capability to build, but they have nuclear weapons. We we believe that that is, is the case in Iran. The question is, we don't know how much they have. We don't know how operational they are. We don't know the ranges that what they do have can affect an impact. We do know that if an escalation broke out, they would probably go after Israel before us. Well, that's the thing. If they they went after Israel, then given the way things are with Trump and, and the relationship that he's built with Iran... We wouldn't be that far behind if Israel was attacked. No, we wouldn't, but they would be the one they could go after first in that area that would provide definite assistance to us and mm-hmm. weaken our position. True, and and they're a much closer target, too, yes. obviously. Let's go to the phones. You're up on the bottom line. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Hey, guys, this is Chris. Hi, so, Chris. Chris. I'm, I'm not much of a policymaker for foreign issues, but I do believe that this is a posturing move for Iran. They're trying to see just how many buttons they can push before they get smacked in the mouth. Um, it's going to get, there's going to be something else that happens. They're going to go a little bit farther, I think, before they decide to draw back a little bit. 
Uh, sanctions are killing them terribly. The sanctions that are being put on are strangling them. They're reaching out, they're grasping for straws, doing anything they can to still make it look like they have a presence. Um, it's it's a it's a bad situation. It could get bad, and hopefully everybody keeps their minds about this and um, they rein Iran in really quick because they're becoming a a, a sore, a festering sore. That's all I got to say. Appreciate the Thanks call. Thanks for the call, Chris. Thank you so much. He brings up an excellent point. And it's this, a lot of, if not most, foreign countries and foreign leaders don't know what to make of President Trump. And that's not a knock on him. That's not a pro or a con. Other countries have the book, so to say, on traditional Democratic presidents and Republican presidents. You know how far you can take and how you can push both of those types of presidents. They know Trump is a Republican, but he's a very unconventional Republican. So I think that places like North Korea willing to reach out and seemingly having a good relationship or or at least a good experience with Trump is proving positive. Russia has met, you know, Putin has met with and talked to Trump before. China has. Right. All these different places that, you know, are, you know, potential problem areas have all come in contact with Trump. I'm not saying everything's rosy with all those countries, but if I'm a leader of a foreign country and Trump gets elected, I don't know what to make of the guy except for his tweets, and his pretty bombastic rallies, okay? But, you know, uh, what's this guy all about? So you meet with him, or you take an action and see what his reaction is. And that's what I think Iran might be doing. They might be trying to get a read on Trump. You know, I, I think what he did in Serbia raised some eyebrows in that area simply because... Obama never did anything when they crossed that red line. There was no response from the U.S. government. Um, the first instance where Syria did something in the Trump administration, he sends a message. So Iran's not sure exactly what they could or that they may or may not get from President Trump. However, even with that said, this is a country who has gone on record multiple times saying their goal is to destroy the infidel, destroy the West. Uh, they they despise our way of life, believe that we should be eradicated. So to think that if a conflict escalated with Iran, knowing the mindset of the mullahs, to think World War III would not be a possibility would be foolish. No because doubt. I don't believe that Iran has any concern for themselves, their citizens, or anybody else in that region, and that, that hitting the red button would never be off the table for them. No doubt. Would, they would consider it to be the holiest of all jihads if they destroyed the United States, even if they took themselves, because, you know, there will be 72 virgins waiting for them when it's all said and done. So I don't think that a nuclear war 
is as much of a deterrent for Iran as it is for most other countries. No. Um, tougher economic sanctions would be. Uh, other things would be. You're right. No, they. I think of there, there's a handful of countries out there that uh, I don't want to say would have nothing to lose, but are of that mindset that eh, if it comes to it, I'm ready to go meet Allah, you know, it's mm -hmm. you know, whatever works. Uh, but are we there yet? I don't think so. 547-1610, 509-547-1610. More of your calls, emails, and more after this. Give us your bottom line. Call 509-547-1610. Now, back to the show. Presented by McCary Meets in Basin City. Bottom line, News Radio 610 KONA. Robinette hanging with you Thursday afternoon. If you are tired of paying a high premium or you think your insurance premium is way too high, tell you what, give Jason Hogue with American Family Insurance a call at 547-0540. Go to his website, jasonhogue.com. Jason Hogue's with American Family Insurance on Road 68 in Pasco. And I'll tell you right now, I was in that same situation a little bit more, about a year ago, I guess. And I'm looking at it, and I'm like, my insurance went up for no reason. It almost doubled. I'm like, what did this come from? I know you have those, you know, you have those first time join up things where you get a little bit of a percentage off. Well, even losing that percentage doesn't qualify as double. And so I went in and I talked to Jason, and he, and he looked at what my, my insurance score was, which I guess you could equate it kind of to a credit score, mm -hmm. but but it's a, it's a compiled score of your insurance. And he looked at it and he said, there's no reason why your insurance should have gone up the way it did. Let's take a look at a couple things. So looked at auto, looked at home, put them together, came back, boom, 45% less. 45%? 45% than what it was going to be based on that rise. Now, he said, look, that's wow. not normal to have that kind of a drop, but they messed up somewhere with your score and somebody dropped something somewhere. This is about more in line with what you should be paying, and it was more in line with where it was before. So... The difference, I was working with a broker. I wasn't dealing directly with an agent. And so I sit down across the table from Jason, does all the work, comes back with that. Now, look, no, not everybody is going to wind up in that same situation. But even 10% could wind up affecting your bottom line each and every month. So it's worth a call to Jason Hogue. The American Family Insurance, 547-0540. Visit his website, jasonhoag.com, or pop in to his office off Road 68 in Pasco uh, in the shopping center. It's right next to Yokes there. Um, and sit down and see what he can do for you. Uh, definitely recommend at least the conversation with Jason Hogan, American Family Insurance. 547-1610 if you want to get involved. Uh, touching on the... The situation that's escalated between the U.S. and Iran, and you know the thing is, we're talking about it now, and things seem to be in a in a holding pattern, um, or a a kind of a, a, a status quo type of situation, but it could change at any minute. Here's the thing, and we need to be very careful with this. And some members of the national media are not being careful with this shock, right? Yeah. Um, to hear President Trump's comments in full, or at least the audio version, uh, he, he sounded like he was saying he didn't know. He, he needed to find out more information because who knows? It could have been somebody who made a stupid move and... And, and somebody could have hit was a, a button. It, it right. was a mistake. Right. 
to do that. He would like to believe that it was a mistake. Some of the national media are only using the phrase, it was a mistake, in response to what Iran did. And that's not what he said. And that has a tinge of what to it? Acceptance, understand, lack of wrongdoing, lack of, uh, lack of a... Well, maybe a, even a bit of a threat. Yeah. Right? Like, if I say, well, it was a mistake to uh, to look at me cross-eyed. Yeah, that's true. You never know what might happen. Exciting. Yeah. So let's go to the phones. You're up on the bottom line. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Oh, Sparky again. Hi, Sparky. Got in there just to, just in the nick of time. Say, uh, uh, Obama. Yeah, Obama did a lot. He he gave him what was it, 150 million or billion dollars to try to buy them off, and that all they did is spread their terrorism around the around the world and stuff like that. But uh, Trump is pretty. He's pretty sharp. He knows this is delicate, and I think he'll he'll have good conversations with Putin and Russia, whereas. Hillary didn't get along with Putin at all, so who knows what would have happened there. But uh, with the sanctions have, have hurt them, I guess, pretty bad, and they're lashing out over this sanction thing. So I, I think I listen to some of this stuff uh, on other – other. Uh, I even listen to CNN and, and The View now and then until I can't stand it anymore. But uh, they're going to try to keep those shipping lanes open. And I, I, I'd i be surprised if this thing really blows into, uh, oh, there's going to be some, they're shooting back and forth maybe a little bit. But anyway, there you go, guys. Thanks appreciate for the call, Sparky. Appreciate it. And you know what? I, I appreciate Sparky, uh, you know, mentioning that he he listens to other sources, even CNN and, and left-leaning. Uh, wonderful. I, I, I think that's great. You know, you should you should listen to all sources. Make up your own mind. Let's go back to the phones. Uh, you're up on the bottom line. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Well, this is Rick, and you were saying that uh, everybody could figure out Trump. Trump is a businessman, okay? When, uh, if you think about it, through every all of my life, I'm kind of old a little bit. Um. If people know more about you than you know, if they know more about you than you know about them, they can control you. So if he let out all of his secrets and and he went out and says, I'm Joe Superhero Mr. Jump the Grand Canyon, they would know that he was that way, but he has held everything close to his chest. He has uh, taken business and built it up because if he wasn't able to do that, he would be in trouble right now. Appreciate the call, Rick. Running out of time. Back where we've almost come to the end of the line for this Thursday afternoon. Mm-hmm. It was a good show. Appreciated our guest uh, from the very first segment off the top. Yep, Mark Osgeist on the ground in Benghazi. During the Battle of Benghazi, he'll be the keynote speaker for the Benton County Republicans' Lincoln Day Dinner on June 28th. That's next Friday night at the Red Line in Pasco. To get your tickets to hear Mark speak in depth, go to bentoncountygop.com. Got all your news, weather, and traffic on the way following ABC News. Stay with us.